I'd like to invite you to pray with me. God, we are always looking for glimpses of your presence. We are staying open to your presence and your promises. And we are grateful for those thin places when the space between heaven and earth thins so much that we feel it can't be anything other than the fulfillment of everything that you have brought up to this moment. In the name of Jesus, amen. I believe. I believe in God. I believe in God some days because I want to. I choose to believe because it's a better path than not believing. Plus, to believe in God is a path of joy. It is a way of real authentic joy. This is John, or Luke 3, starting in verse 7, right after where we left off last week. John said to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers. Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits worthy of repentance. Do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds asked him, What then should we do? In reply, he said to them, Whoever has two coats must share with anyone who has none, and whoever has food must do likewise. Even tax collectors came to be baptized, and they asked him, Teacher, what should we do? He said to them, Collect no more than the amount prescribed for you. Soldiers also asked him, And we? What should we do? He said to them, Do not extort money from anyone by threats or false accusation, and be satisfied with your wages. As the people were filled with expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I'm not worthy to untie the strap of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So with many other exhortations, he proclaimed the good news to the people. On this third Sunday of Advent, this Sunday of joy, 
Let us say together that anticipating Jesus is about more than hope for the future. It's also about acknowledging the ways that God has worked in the past, primarily among tribal groups out in the desert. Front and center this morning is someone who out in the desert was baptizing people in the only water that there was around for miles. His name was John. John prepared the way. And the passage this morning ends by saying, after what sounds like a lot of pretty heavy stuff, he proclaimed good news to the people. But good news can be bad news if it doesn't line up with your opinions. And that seems to be the case when John tells the tax collectors to stop taking more than they're supposed to in order to line their silk pockets. But for most of us, this is not applicable. Instead, the earlier teachings set up what might be the coming of Jesus and what the coming of Jesus would look like. The world to come is one where if I have two coats, but you don't have one, then I give you one of mine. After all, what do I need two coats for? Especially in Houston. And we know that this world to come is the world now. And this is good news if we lean into it and say yes to Jesus. But who is this really good news for? What does the passage tell us about who is receiving the good news? You notice who it is? The passage says it right there, right out in the open. It's good news to the people. The tax collectors, the soldiers, all the people who are coming and asking John, well, what are we supposed to do about this? You know what John was saying? In all the things that he was saying, he was telling them one thing. Be more like the people. Don't think of yourselves apart from the people. Don't think of yourselves as not people. That doesn't make any sense. Instead, what would you do? I mean, just this, the thing about what John is telling the tax collectors, the soldiers, all these people who are coming and asking, what are we supposed to do? The thing about it is that John is telling the people, what would you do for your own child? Eventually, that's what Jesus is going to say in his preaching, right? What would you do with your kid? You know, if your kid asks for something to eat, what do you do? Give him a snake? You know, and then all the people start laughing. This is, it's, it's basically ancient Mediterranean stand-up comedy. That's how outrageous these notions are. If you have two coats and your child is sitting there shivering, what are you going to do? This is not rocket science. This is not deep theology. You don't have to go to school for years to figure this one out. If your kid's cold, give her a coat for Pete's sake. That's the simplicity and the beauty of these messages. All of this new world started out in the desert as John is ushering in the way of Jesus. And these things are not original with John. 
In fact, John and then even Jesus spends a lot of time quoting old scriptures that remind the people of what they're already supposed to know and how they're already supposed to be living. You remember Exodus and Numbers? Exodus and Numbers, those stories that happen out in the wilderness of Exodus and Numbers become the dominant story for the rest of the Old Testament. I mean, the majority of the time in the rest of the Old Testament and then even into the New Testament, they're looking back and they're saying, you remember when we were out in the desert? And all the people, oh yeah, I remember that. What happened? Sometimes we lost our way. God always got us back on track. Sometimes we were hungry. God always sent food. But these tribal groups out in the desert had some problems. And so they had to set up camp. Camp. And you know what camp was for? When they set up camp out in the wilderness, it was to protect the people. And it was to care for them. Because out in the wilderness, there were bandits and there were wild animals. And so they set up the camp. The camp was a place of safety. The law was to help keep harmony within the camp. I mean, that's what the law was originally for. It was to keep harmony within the camp so that when they stopped for the night and set up camp and started cooking supper, everything didn't devolve into chaos. This was not Lord of the Flies. This was the camp. And that's what the law was for. The worst thing for the whole group was not being kicked outside the camp, and they did do that sometimes. They had to kick people outside the camp. But that was not the worst thing for the group. You know what the worst thing was? It was dissension within the camp. Because the whole reason they sent lawbreakers outside the camp was to try to keep peace within the camp. And the hardest thing about the culture we're living in right now, and this is true globally, it's not just a local thing, hardest thing is that we're living 100% day after day in constant dissension within the camp. I mean, people even disagree these days about the basic teachings of John leading into Jesus here in Luke 3. Well, I need two coats in case one of them breaks. And thus, dissension. Doesn't have to be this way. Doesn't have to be this way. No one says that this is what we are supposed to do, that this is what we are born to do, even though that way of life has become an all too common way of life. No. No, we're not going to do that. And it rests on us as the people of God who gather in this place week after week, day after day, for us collectively with one voice, as one body of Christ, to join together and say, this is who we are as the people of God, and we as this church are going to be known as people of hope, people of love, and people of joy. Now in Jesus, we are the camp. This is who we are. We are an outpost of the kingdom of heaven, and one thing an outpost does is provide for its inhabitants. It's to keep us close together. 
We have a common bond. We have a common mission. And that is a part of this good news of the people. And this is what's gone wrong with this little experiment we are a part of called the world. We're constantly living within dissension within the camp. You probably noticed. But this is where the good news comes in. Good news that we know in Jesus. And it's so simple. It's so simple. This is not hard. Some of it's as simple as just keeping our eyes open for the work of God. It's easier to see when we come in here, when we see one another and we share this common voice. It's a lot easier to see in here. And I'm grateful for that. Which is exactly why we must never allow those kinds of feelings out there inside this outpost. Jesus comes first, our life together in Christ. But you know what's going to happen? Is that in less than an hour, all of us in here have to go back out there. And so let me encourage, like John the Baptist, in that tradition... That as you go out there, practice the actual gospel work that clears the path for Jesus, some of which includes just keeping your eyes open and watch for the work of God and then participate in the work of God among you. I did this as a little experiment. And if you haven't picked up on it already, I'll go ahead and give it away. You know how... For we're third Sunday of Advent, right? And so the first two Sundays, and then what I'm about to do now, I've been telling stories about our family wedding in Memphis that a lot of us drove to and flew to. Anyway, people rode airplanes. We drove. So we went to Memphis for this family wedding, and it was great. It was wonderful. But I decided because I was still writing this whole series that started end of November and is going to go till January 9th, seven Sundays. As I was writing this series, I said, I'm going to use this trip, because I don't know, I don't know if you have this experience, but when you travel and sometimes get out of your routine, you see the world a little bit differently. And I just said, I'm going to open my eyes, and the whole trip... From the day we drive out and go to Mississippi to see Cole and then drive to Memphis, and we're there for the wedding, and then all the way back here to Houston. So we make this circle. I'm going to keep my eyes peeled for the work of God. And just as simple as that, I'm just going to watch for the work of God. Well, when we were in Memphis the day before the wedding and then the day of the wedding, we found a restaurant that we went to these couple of times. The second time, I looked at a set of flags that were hanging over the register because this was just a walk-up restaurant. You know, people took it outside, ate picnics, all that. Nothing fancy. But those flags caught my eye the first time, but man, they really caught my eye the second time because the second time it was like, oh yeah, I'm supposed to be looking for the work of God. They caught my eye the first time. They really caught my heart the second time. 
And then I started thinking about us here in this outpost of the kingdom of heaven. Everything that's brought us up to this point, who we are today, and our anticipation of the world to come, and those prayer flags spoke a word forward all the way today, all the way up to right now for us, those who live, those of us who are already in the world to come because of Jesus, those prayer flags describe something from the past, and I don't know where they're from. You know, sometimes I don't look up stuff to see where it's from because sometimes it's just better to, okay, accept it, leave it there, and then keep going. I don't know anything about the artist who designed them. I don't know where they hung originally. And I don't know if they originated with the artist or John the Baptist or some desert nomad from centuries ago. But somehow they made it from some distant land to Memphis, Tennessee, and now to Houston, Texas, to 1910 bearing on a Sunday morning approaching Christmas. And I know that somewhere along the way, sometimes we get tempted to focus on ourselves. But in this mighty fortress that is our God, when we welcome those in the name of Jesus, not ourselves as the mission, but the salvation in the good news of our ultimate welcome in Jesus. When we do those things, we believe. We practice belief. Believing is seeing. and We believe that the world to come is already here in Jesus. And those prayer flags are a good description of who we are today, for what Jesus provides for us today, as well as the world to come. And this is what they speak. Not what they spoke, but what they speak here today, here in our outpost, our camp. And who we must always be as the united people of Christ because this is good news. And this is what was on those flags hanging above a register in Memphis, Tennessee that speak to us today. A protector for those without protection. A guide for those who have lost their way. A ship for those with oceans to cross. A bridge for those with rivers to cross. A sanctuary for those in danger. A lamp for those without light. A place of refuge for those who lack shelter. Amen.